Hello and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 65. Um, today we're going to be going over some lore again, because fortunately I have lore on. So, it's always nice when I have lore on. How are you doing, lore? I'm doing very well, sir. Um, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm good. Um, now we had a little bit of trouble with me not coming in super clear at the beginning of our recording, so if the sound quality is a little lower than normal, I do apologize, but I'm hoping it's not going to be a problem. So with that said, I want to remind everybody to check out my homepage, and you can find that at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. I'm just not going to say the www anymore. Pretty sure people know that one. Uh, let's see. If you wanted to send us emails, then please do feel free to do those. You can send those to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com and you can find that, uh, you can find that email address on the homepage. That can be comments on a show or suggestions for new topics. We're always looking for something new to talk about. So feel free to send us emails. And also, if you are not subscribed to the RSS, I would suggest that you can find that at hugenhoff.org as well. Since it's a monthly podcast, it's nice to get it in your podcatcher of choice so you don't have to think of it. Just download automatically at the beginning of every month. So, I think that's it. Um, before we start, though, Lore, why don't you talk about your book for a second? Well, I have several, but I'll pick my latest one, which is Walk On. Um, ironically enough, I walk a lot anymore, so... Yes. Anyway, I published that about a year ago, and it is on Amazon.com. If you want to give it a look, that's great. It's sci-fi, time travel stuff. If you're interested in that, or you're into that sort of thing, hey, why not go ahead and read one of my books? Thank you. Yes, and the link to that will be in the show notes. It's been consistently in the show notes for a while now, so you can actually... Pick any of the recent show show notes and grab the link to that. Okay, so let's start. Today, we are going to be going over the lay of Hilda Hindelzad. I'm really bad with pronunciation. I am going to be reading out of the Hollander translation of the Poetic Eddas, and Lore will be reading out of um, the Sacred Texts version what is it called on sacred text is it the same uh it's still on sacred text it just uh i don't know I, I i could only make out part of those words sir <laughs> okay so probably the same um just in case anybody's trying to google that the lay of and uh h-y-n-d-l-a so type that in okay i guess i will go ahead and begin and we'll see what this is about. Okay, so stanza one. Awake, good maiden, awake, my friend, sister Hyunda, who sleepest in cave. Tis darkest night, so now let us ride, hence to Valhall, the hallowed stead. Okay, I've got a couple notes on this. As uh, to. Um. Um, the, the part, tis darkest night, I have a note that says, the time when the beings of the netherworld may be abroad. So, that's important to know. 
And Valhall is, of course, Hall of the Slime. Now, I have a note here that says uh, our first speaker here is Freya. And they only really kind of know that because of the Vulsipo. Uh, stanza 21, there's a note in the scrimmel, I guess, that uh, says that this was probably her speaking. Okay. Okay, so we're speaking to Freya. Um, and yeah, mine in Hollander's translation, it said Freya sad. Um, in the beginning, it may have said where they come up with knowing it's Freya, but... Yes, it is starting with Freya. So, I will let you go next. The favor of here, father, seek we to find, who his followers gold he gladly gives. To Hermoth gave he helm and mail coat, and to Sigmund he gave a sword as gift. Okay, and I do have a note on Hermoth, he of warlike courage. It is uncertain whether the god of the name is referred to or Hermod, king of the Danes of Skelding uh, in Beowulf. So I guess a lot of this is going to mention a lot of um, heroes and stuff from different sagas and pieces of the lore and stuff like that. So that's something to keep in mind. I got a lot of notes saying these are all offspring of Odin. Okay. Um, and does it mean offspring and Odin? Because a, a lot of times you'll have different um, groups of people or tribes or whatever attributing their genealogy back to Odin. So this particular tribe or that particular tribe will say, we ultimately are descendant from Odin if you trace our lineage back far enough. This one is a little bit more uh, forward. So Hermoth, they say here, is in the prose edit as the son of Othan, who is sent to hell to ask for the return of, you know, the slain Balder. Okay. Uh, but again, that could just be names. Right. There's only so many names, maybe. Uh, and Sigmund was the son of Volsung, and hence Othan's great-great-grandson. Uh, is what it's saying here. And Volsung's okay. name was one of Othan's many appellations. Okay. So yeah, I guess with this one, right, because there is, there is the god, but then apparently according to this note that I have, there is also a king with the same name. So that okay. can be tricky to know exactly which one they're talking about. But it is sort of a neat idea that you have a lot of, the, a lot of our ancestors tracing their genealogy all the way back to the gods, sort of emphasizing that idea that it's a familiar connection that we have to the god so <clears throat> i just wanted to point that out i think i am next he gives riches to some to some victory word skills to whites wisdom to others breezes to sailors songcraft to scald gives manfulness to many a warrior um so those are things to know about odin i guess the gifts that he that he gives Yes. And then four would be Thor shall I honor, and this shall I ask, that his favor true mayest thou ever find, though little the brides of the giants he loves. Okay. Yeah, and that just because Thor is the one who kills the giants. But I actually don't have any notes there, so I'll go on. 
Take one of thy wolves from his wanted stall. With my boar let him leap on our way. Um, I do have a note about take one of thy wolves. The Mount of Trolls and Witches. And apparently that comes from Helga Vidya Horfesoner prose introduction. Um, and yeah, trolls and witches for whatever reason. Pride wolves. Would you kind of see that echoed in things like Lord of the Rings? Because I think the... What are they there? Goblins? Trolls? Orcs? Orcs. They uh, ride those things that are that look like wolves. They're yeah. wargs, but they look like wolves. Um, there's a note here that I have for mine. Um, did you go on to say boars in yours? Um... Yes, with my boar, let him leap on our way. Okay, does Freya ride a boar? No. That would be Frey, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's got so, and bursty. Now, maybe I'm missing some lore here, because what I'm here, uh, the note that I have here says, The boar on which Freya rides, my worthy steed, is of course Otar. Which, okay. for whatever reason, doesn't ring any bells, even though I know she has a a chariot pulled by cats. I don't remember that. Hmm. I mean, she is most famous, I guess, for her chariot pulled by cats. I don't remember her having a boar at all. Um, uh, here we I'm go. S- In Norse mythology, Otar, also known as Otar the Simple, is the protege of the goddess Freya. He appears in the Lay of Hindla. Here we go. Uh, in this tale, Otar is said to be very pious. So it just appears in this story, apparently. Okay. Maybe that's why I wasn't remembering it, because I don't know. Maybe I'm more familiar with other things more often read. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't. I didn't remember it either. I mean, I guess there's a lot of lore, and certainly don't know all of that. But yeah, a I lot always... of lore and a lot of things that each god and goddess has, and sometimes they kind of overlap. It seems right. Yeah, because I guess whenever I think of boar, I just think of Frey because he's more well known for his boar. Right. But but that's a good note, I suppose, to keep in mind. Um. Hmm. Okay. Oh. We were ready for six, I guess? Well, now, hold on just a second. Okay. Okay, mine, that was five, and that's Freya done speaking, and then Linda starts speaking. But this is actually still stands a five for me, so we'll have to see if we get off or not. Because it continues, Hindla says... Slow runs thy boar on the road to Valhall, nor will I weary my worthy steed. And then that is the end of, um, that's the end of six for me. End of six or the end of five? The end of five. Okay. And that's the end of mine too. But did you say Hindla was speaking that part for you? Yes. It is not Hindla in this one for me. Hindla starts speaking at six for me. Okay. So there's a slight distinction, um, to keep in mind. So, okay. if you read six, what does what does yours say? Six would be Hinless Bait. Falsely thou askest me, Freya, to go, for so in the glance of thine eyes I see, on the way of the slain thy lover goes with thee, Otar the Young, the son of Eisting. 
Okay. And that is also my six, so I don't know why they had Hindla start speaking like um, one, a couple lines earlier in mine. Do you have a note on that? The, the, um, on his last journey, that is, as a slain warrior to join the heroes in Odin or Freya's Hall. Um, I'll go on to seven, Freya speaking again. Dull art Hindla and dreamest ween I to believe my lover on his last journey, my boar gleameth golden bristled Hilzavini by Smith Twain fashioned of dwarven skin, Dane and Nobby. Now I do have a couple notes on the golden bristled boar. Um, Mm -hmm. Battle swine is what that means. And and yeah, that's my note. Mine is just re-emphasizing uh, re- that the uh well, not Gullenbursty, but Hidsivini, the battle swine, uh, is perhaps referring to Freya, or to Freyr's <clears throat> boar, yeah. made by the dwarves? That would make sense. I don't know why they use a different name, though. I don't either. Maybe different regions. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do think golden bursty when you hear golden bristled boar. So. So and yeah. This one is saying it's the child of that boar that Otar is. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm looking back and forth between the previous stanza, and I think I'm getting confused. Yeah, I don't think it's saying that. Dollar and the I dream is. All right. Well, I guess I'll yeah. go on to eight then. Uh, yeah, I was just going to quickly say the only thing that seems weird is um, on his last journey, my boar gleameth. It seems like Freya saying it's her, her boar, mm. and not Freya's. Which I don't know. Maybe yeah, another guess, one was made. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this is a before we go on just quickly um, a piece of lore that we're reading because. I actually don't spend a lot of time reading it. I mean, most of these lore stories, like the Lay of Rig, for example, and the Havamaw, and um, the Valsapa, and just most of the stories we talk about a lot and read a lot and will get mentioned at bloat often. This is one that I don't think I've ever actually mentioned at bloat, and I've read it because I've read the Poetic Eddas a couple of times, but it doesn't have some of the bigger moments in it that that make me remember it and mention it and really go over it and stuff like that. So I'm less familiar with it than the others because it's just one that don't spend a lot of time going over i think so well see the reason i was curious as to what story we were going to read next is simply because when i went to sacred text and just because it's easier i went there to look see what the next one that we should be doing is and i went on to the next one because after i saw the first line in the note up here um i was like well are are we sure we're going to do this one because it says 
uh, this one is found neither in the great manuscripts of the Poetic Edda, but is included in the so-called uh, Book of the Flat Island. That is a compilation made somewhere in the 1400s. Mm-hmm. And they think it's kind of a late manuscript, but it may be a preserved poem that was later than written down. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. Yeah, um it definitely doesn't have the same uh what do we say influence, I think, on most people as some of the other poems do, but I did want to read it, I guess a little bit for completion's sake. And if something really interesting comes up that we really want to delve into, I want to give this poem a chance to spark that conversation as well. All right, so we are ready for it. Mm -hmm. And that would be, Now let us down from our saddles leap and talk of the race of the heroes twain, the men who were born of the gods above. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, so I do have a couple notes. Strive with words. Sometimes these notes are, like, really specific. Like, hmm, this is a strange word choice, perhaps. And I was like, I don't usually read those. Um, I do have a note, though. The Who came from the gods line? All the royal families of the north trace their ancestry ultimately back to the gods. Um, I made that point earlier, but Hollander makes it again here, so I just wanted to repeat it. So I'll go on to nine. Oh. Wagered have they for Welsh gold, Otter the young, and Angantry the, he- the young hero to help I am bound, lest he fail to get his father's share. Oh, okay. Okay, so... Or metal just means gold, I guess. Um, oh, sorry. Mine is saying foreign metal. Oh, then yes, probably so. So I don't really have anything else to say about that stanza. Okay, ten. For me a shrine of stones he made, and now to glass the rocks have grown. Oft with blood of beast was it red, in the goddess ever did Otar trust. Uh, let's see, I do have a note. That thing you said, the rocks to glass? Yes. Um, and mine uses a slightly different word, but the note says, by the fire of repeated burnt offerings, which in the earliest times were made on rude stone altars, I guess would change the look of the rock. So that's what that's getting at. And yeah, mine says basically the same that, you know, they've fused the stone into glass. Okay. Okay, so that makes sense. That's what they're getting at. Um, I'll go on to 11. Reckon up in order the oldest Seb and call to mind the kin of men. <clears throat> of Skaldung who a skilfing who, an oathling who, and yeffling who, who a landholder, who a lordy, who a lordly stock, who of most worth are in the world of men. Um, can you read mm. your stanza? Because I feel like mine is difficult to follow. Oh, mine's generally about the same difficulty, but I'll go ahead. Tell me now the ancient names and the races of all that were born of old. 
who are the Skrothungs, who are the Skilfings, who are the Oathlings, who are the Yilflings, who are the Freeborn, who are the Highborn, the noblest of men that in Mythgar dwell. Okay. A um, little more, Claire. Um, I do have a couple notes. The Skiffling, for example, is their progenitors are Skjold and Skalfir. And the Oathlings are, according to Skaldaskarpamal, chapter 62, the Oathlings were descended from an eponymous king Othe. Okay. So just different kings? Yeah. And their offspring? Yeah. Yep, I think so. Okay. Um, I guess I'll let you go ahead and read 12. Endless spake, thou art Otar, the son of Eistein, and Eistein, the son of Ulf the Old, Ulf of Ulf, Ulf of Sefari, and Sefari's father was Svan the Red. Uh, okay. So again, I guess this is getting a little bit into uh, the genealogy stuff and everything. So I will go on with 13. Was your father's mother a fair dight maiden? I ween she was height Heldes the priestess. With Frothy her father, Fryot her mother, this race was holy, ranked with the highest. Um, let me see, I've got a note. Uh, it's just, it's talking about the name Hledes, um, being, uh, it says the name Hledes and Friar accord, uh, occur nowhere else. Frothy the Wise bears a name common among the mythical Danish kings. Again, just kind of going into who people may be. I will let you continue with 14. A14, of old the noblest of all was Ali, before him Halfdan, foremost of Joldungs, famed were the battles the hero fought, to the corners of heavens his deeds were carried. Man, my pronunciation is just getting more and more awful. <laughs> uh, it's funny, because these names, really, they are not names that we use on a regular basis it's just and they're well nothing... i mean it's the consonants and the vowels in different orders yes. than what we usually speak in english like an skj sound good luck right what is an skj sound so we're not using them on a regular basis and i feel like the longer you read not like extended over time but the longer in one sitting that you read all these um different unique names it just it just it's like reading a tongue twister when it gets worse and worse and by the end of it if you've read like because i read this tongue twister to my uh daughters and the name of it it's the one with tweedle beetles in it by dr seuss fox and socks anyway if i just pick up on the last page or they get distracted or something i can usually make it through but by the end of reading the whole book I just, I just like can't say anything, and I'm stumbling over every single word. Anyway, I just feel like Old Norse names are a lot like that. They just kind of add up over yeah, I was, time. I, I was thinking, like, maybe the reason I'm not recalling this very well is simply because names are so 
foreign and not even like foreign in a way where we've heard them many times. It's just a big giant list. Yeah. And now and I and I wasn't able to retain that even though I I am absolutely sure I've read this many times before. I wonder if that is it because it's like I mean, I remember the uh, what's that thing in uh, is it the Valsapa where they have the list of the doors or whatever? Right, but I don't remember any. Well, mm, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't remember right. any of those because it's just a big giant list, and I I try to sit there and and. Well, and, it was the same thing as last time I was on when we were doing the lay of rig. Do you remember any mm-hmm. of the the sons and daughters' names? Yeah, no. No, I just, I my memory doesn't remember those. But with, like, the catalog of the dwarves, though I don't remember it, I remember the rest of that story right. well enough that I'm like, and it, it's in there somewhere. But it's just when you have that big list, your your mind just automatically sort of zones out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder if that's why I don't remember this one as well. It's very possible. All right, I will go on to 15, I do believe. Befriended yes. befriended by Amen, foremost among men, he slew Sigtree with the sword's edge, and home led Alvag, the most high-born woman, the ish, they issue had of 18 sons. A lot of kids. Whole lot Not of uncommon, kids. though. No, I can't imagine it, though. Uh, my great-grandfather... My great grandfather, my great grandmother, both came from. They came from what large? They families? came from families that big. Yeah, they had Did like they really? seventeen or eighteen sisters and brothers. Jeez. Each. I know my dad had like seven, and to me, that's huge. But I just can't imagine eight. Well, seventeen in your case, eighteen in this case, eighteen kids. It's just I don't. Well, get on it. Uh no. <laughs> I I told you I'm fine. I've had two. That replaces myself genetically. Two people came in. My I wife mean, and I. Two people come you, out. Done. Yeah. Well, I mean, even you got two. You got one and a spare. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've got a spare in case I screw one up. That is not really what I think, for the record. But no, the I joke just people. <laughs> I I I struggle feeling like I spend enough time with both of my kids and I literally have two having more three maybe I don't want a third I'm happy with two but I can understand keeping up with three kids but when you get into like teen I just I just yeah I can't well, imagine I mean of course there's reasons to have so many kids uh, back in the day because, well, they were prone to die and you yeah. needed people to work your land and the easiest ways is to have kids and you work your way with them and, you know, they're just a part of the farm life or whatever kind of a business you're running and they all take over and they train with you side by side and that because that's your job. You don't have to leave. You're going to be there, but in this day and age, we leave home to work. So it's not really practical. Yeah, it's definitely a different time. And I, <clears throat> if I lived back then, I think it might make a lot more sense than it does from where I am currently. So definitely, definitely a different type of life that they were living. All right. I think we're at 16. Yes. <clears throat> so 16. Hence comes the 
Joel Dungs. Oh, the SKJ, man. Hence the Skifflings. Skiffings. Skilfings? There we go. Hence the Otlings. Hence the Yinglings. Hence comes the Freeborn. Hence the Highborn, the noblest of men that in Mythgard dwell. And all are thy kinsmen, Otar, thou foul. No, thou fool. Sorry, thou fool. <laughs> okay. Um, just a quick note. You said free men, and I think here it says landholders? Right, and I think that's a so, callback to the lay rig. And the, yes. Like the uh, three, but not mentioning the lowest of classes in that thing, which right. is the uh, servants or something? can't remember. No, it wasn't servants, it was... Uh, thralls. Thralls, yeah. Yeah. Waves. Yeah. I, I I do like mentioning that landowners and freemen are kind of um, analogous because of just a whole thing that you kind of, in the old days anyway, you sort of needed to own land to really have any significant real type of freedom. Well, heck, back in the day, even in America, you had to be a landowner to vote. Or was yes. that, is that true? Because that was also in Athens. It was definitely true in Athens. I should know more about American history than Greek history, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't. I thought that was true. No, no, no. Sometimes I get all my histories all mixed up, and it's unfortunate. But then again, at least I know some history. Otherwise, I am bound to repeat it. Uh, Yeah, that's true. All right, I will move on to 17. Her mother, Holdai, was Hildegun, the child of Svava and of Sikanun. Thy sib all these, silly Otar. Thou needs must know this, wilt know still more. Wilt know oh, still more. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yes, yeah. Will you know more? Oh, yeah. What is that from? Which, which part was that? Volspa. Was that uh, Volspa, that's right. Yeah, when they raised uh, Cirrus or whatever. Well, which is interesting because it there's been some uh, callbacks in the notes uh, mentioning Volsipa in this particular okay. thing. So, I don't know. They weren't, like, huge. But <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. Uh, so, that was... 17. 17, and my note is just saying it's just talking about Otar's ancestry again. Okay. Do you want to right. read 18? Okay. Um... The mate of Dag was a mother of heroes. Thora, who bore him, the bravest of fighters. Prathmar and Nickirth. And the Frekis Twain, Am and Jofermar, Alf the Old. It is much to know. Wilt thou hear more? Oh, repeating. Okay. Very I, common I, in poetry. I like it. It is, and it's something that we don't really do so much anymore. Um, well, in songs um, we do, though. We do. Do you? Re- okay, so just briefly an aside, I'm not going to mention exactly what it was, but did you notice I repeated at least one phrase a couple of times at bloat this last time? If you um, don't or didn't, that's fine. Uh, thinking about it right now, I don't, I don't remember okay. that, but that's that's cool. The- that's, I, I I feel when it gains more momentum, more power behind the words when you repeat them, I, pr- 
mm-hmm. uh, particularly like they do it three times if I can. Right. Uh, I feel that's the best. I don't know why. That's just, you know, me. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to reading more of this now simply because I like th- that type of repetition at the end of a statement because it yeah. kind of calls back and makes you think about everything that's been said. Yeah, and it does seem to be a relatively effective um, technique. And I don't, I didn't actively note or consciously notice that you did that. Thinking about thinking back on it now, but I do mm-hmm. wonder if um, it made the whole um, saying and bloat and everything else more powerful. Quite possibly did because I, I do think that it affects us on some level, just like with a song you you want the chorus you want to hear Mm -hmm. the chorus um but i like the idea in poetry you go back and repeat something and if it's done well you're not thinking oh they're repeating something over and over again uh which is obviously not what you'd want but it would still like bring everything back and emphasize the point and stuff so it's a neat technique Mm -hmm. going on to 19 was Kettle their kinsman, Clip's oldest son, your own mother, mother, father, before Carrie, Frothy lived, and Alf the hero to Hild was born? So, going over more history stuff. <laughs> and again, we're going to get back into repetition, but not the line uh, that we pointed out last time. <clears throat> so we're on 20. Next was Nana, daughter of Nokvi, ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, thy father's kinsman, her son became, old as the line, and longer still, and all are thy kinsmen, Otar, thou fool. Okay, you know when I was naming my own kids, um, I looked for inspiration to some of these Old Norse names, but the majority of them are too hard to say. Well, and like... To me, some of it feels a little uh, Russian, if that makes sense. The kind of uh, consonants that they crush together with the little vowel sounds near the oh, end. Yeah, it's it seems very Russian esque to me. Yeah, no, I can see that. I just most of them was like, mm, "There's no way my kids are going to remember how to spell this, and there's no way I'm going <laughs> to know how to pronounce this." So I took some. I mean, still, I guess. Norse names with Saga and Edda, but um, not some of the ones from the sagas so much as ones from well, the Well, here, like, there's an easy one in the one that you just read previously, Kari, Kari, K-A-R-I. Yeah, but then it sounds like Kari. Like that is true, but I've, I've known name. people who've had that name spelled that way. Okay. So, I don't know. No, there's, <laughs> there's good ones, but some of them are just so hard. Um, 21, Isolf and Asolf, Alma's sons these, and Skurdhild Eke, Skekel's daughter, among them are, with many heroes, thy sib all these, silly Otar. You have silly Otar, I have Otar, thou fool! <laughs> yes, I kind of like silly Otar. I, yeah, I, don't, I... I don't think it actually has the intended effect like Otar, you fool does, because it kind of sounds silly. Like, oh, silly Otar. Well, I mean, it depends on what the purpose and the strength of the insult is supposed to be. Yeah. 
Now, since I don't have the Old Norse in front of me, nor do I have the skill to translate it properly, I don't know. But when you say silly, you say, well, you're just being kind of stupid that you don't know this. Mm -hmm. But not like you're an idiot. It's just like, man, why don't you know this? But when you say, Otar, thou fool, you idiot, you should know this. This is your lineage. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know exactly which one is more appropriate. I feel like Otar, thou fool, is more in line with with what the poem's trying to say. It's but pretty harsh, too. <laughs> it is pretty harsh, that's true. I will let you continue with 22, I think. Yes, 22. Gunnar the Bulwark, Grim the Hardy, Thorer the Iron Shield, Ulf the Gaper, <laughs> Broad and Horver. Both did I know, in the household they were, of Hrolf the Old. Ooh, oh, that rhymed properly for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, mine's worded slightly different, so the rhyme doesn't uh, come through. That's another problem, the rhymes rarely come through when your original source is Old Norse. Well, that's kind of why I've always wanted to kind of go back and see if I can reword it properly and still keep the same meaning and still get the rhymes in. But I think yeah. it would be very difficult, especially if you're going to use the names, because they don't really rhyme with too much because they're so unusual for English. Yeah, that's true. It would be neat if somebody could go back and do that, but it'd just be such an impossible task. And preserve I, the meaning properly? That would be difficult. Right, right. To go back and get the gist of the story, but have it in this poetic rhyming sense would probably be um, something that you could do. But to go back and really get the meanings right, but have it in like um, modern English with a nice rhyme scheme that we'd expect in modern English poetry, but still using the devices of the Old Norse poetry would be really cool, but would be such an impossible task. I just, I don't know if you could do it or not. I mean, you can do it stanza to stanza just by using the little trick of uh, uh, the same end to a sentence. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a neat thing to do, but I don't know if there's enough interest in Norse poetry to justify somebody <laughs> spending the time to do that. Because it would be well, a big task. Because there's interest in it as lore and mythology and stuff like that, but to actually have an interest in it as a flowing, pretty way to remember these things because it's a rhyme scheme for you to hold on to, like we hold on to songs. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that's, I guess, more that I was trying to get at. Hollander's pretty good because he is good about keeping the tempo of the poems intact, but... When you focus on that, there's no way you can focus on that and the rhyme scheme mm -hmm. part as well. So yeah, it's it's a challenge. I will go on to 24, I believe. In 23, I thought. Sorry. Oh yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. 23. Hervoth, Hjorvoth, Rani, Engenter, Boo and Brahmi, Barry and Reifnir, Tend and Tirfing, and the two hadlings, thy sib all these, silly Otar. <laughs> See, I, they have it as hadding twain, and they've done that before previously. Yes. Which, and, which is an interesting 
statement, but I don't know if it properly conveys the way yours did. I don't know because brothers or something. Right. The last time yours said Twain, I think mine actually said twins. <clears throat> oh, okay. So I think that's what they're they're getting at. It's just a different way to say it. Okay. I will let you do twenty-four. Okay, twenty-four. Eastward in Balm were born of old the sons of Arngrim and Yurfa. Woo. Yurfura. With berserker tumult and baleful deed like fire over land and sea they fared. And all are thy kinsmen, Otar, thou fool. I think everybody know what, knows what berserkers are. Just like the crazy. One would hope. Yeah. Wild warriors is what my note says. But the, the people who just went into battle and were like crazy, fierce warriors. So I'm not going to go further. Yes, yes. Go into battle <laughs> with just the bearskins on. Uh, 25. I knew both of them, Broad and Horver. Both heroes were Horf's followers. And that is actually the end of my stanza 25. Um. Hold on. This is weird. Okay, that's. We got a mention of Fafnir. Sorry. Oh, really? That's the end of my 25, and then it jumps to stanza 35. Whoa. So I'm just going to okay. read, and then it goes let back me, to 26. Um, let me see here. In the manuscript, uh, line 1 stands after line 4, stanza 29, probably stanza enumerating Yorick's son has been lost. Many editors combine stanzas 3 and 4 for stanza 22 in lines 2 of 4, oh. so apparently there's a big jumbled mess here. Okay, yes, and I read this wrong because this... Stanza 25, this is actually note 35, so this does go on, so let me read the rest of it. It then says, King Jormungnirker's kinsman all, he was Sigur Seb, what I say he doubted the folk rulers who Fafnir slew. And I do want to read this note, because it's a long one. Okay. In the lines evidently missing here, no, ba- no doubt Jormunrek's sons were, were named, since he was the husband of Svanhild, Sigurd's daughter by Guthrun. Both of all things and the Neeflings may be said to be his kinsmen. For the names and occurrences touched on this and the two following stanzas, gen- general reference is made to the entire cycle of lays dealing with the fate of the Valsungs and Gyakans. Okay, so, yeah, that's a long note. I, I guess there's <laughs> some confusing missing lines here. Okay. Um, did I go to 26, because that's where I'm next? Yes, I think. I, I think I... It, it was weird because the note... My footnotes are normally like in the middle of sentences after a word, but this note was at the very, very beginning of the line, so it looked like stanza 25 is actually note 35, because my notes are big, because I'm on the Kindle. So yes, we... That was my mistake. We're ready for 26. 26. From Volsung's seed was the hero sprung, and Hjordis was born of... Hrothung's race, and Ilmi, 
from Othings came, and all are thy kinsmen, Otar thou fool. Okay, um, a, a quick note about this last 35, when we mentioned um, Fafnir and uh, the, the note said, when it was talking about um, the fate of the Volsungs and and Nephilungs, this is the first time that like a lot of these names actually sounded familiar in a stanza. I was like, oh, I actually, I actually know these people that they're talking about. Right. Most of the other ones have just been like, I guess I probably should, but the vast majority of these names, I just don't have any firsthand knowledge of. Which, again, is probably why I don't remember this story well. So, I will go on to 27. Gunnar and Hogni were Gyuki-sung. Of the same Sib was their sister Guthrun. But Guthrum was not of Gyuki's kin, though a brother to both his sons. Thy sibs all these, silly Otar. That's a confusing statement. Yes, it is. Uh, stepsons and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, in other words, he was Gyuki's stepson, which is of importance in the slaying of Sigurth, so. Um, yeah. Okay, so 28, uh, mine's two lines, so it's pretty short. Of Hrith's son was Haki the best, and Hrothar the father, and Ivithna was, and then it just blanks out. Okay, I have a little more, so I'll read my 28. It said, Her- <clears throat> excuse me, Harold Wartooth was to Hjorkis born, the sower of rings, he the son was of Oth. Oth the deep-minded was Ivor's daughter. Rathbarth was Ranver's father. Were given to the gods these goodly men. They sibs all these, silly Othar. And that part was 29 for me. Okay, so it, okay, it looks like you're separated and mine didn't. So now we will be off by one. And after this point, mine has a little highlight and says, Fragment of Short Fulsipo. Okay. So that was your 29, so we're mm-hmm. ready for your 30, but yes. my 29. I assume. <laughs> okay, go ahead and read 30. We'll see if, that's, if, that, if they match up. Okay, so 30. Eleven in number the gods were known, when Balder over the hill of death was bowed, and this to avenge was Volley Swift, when his brother's slayer soon he slew. Ooh, that's a tongue twister. I like it. Huh, that really matches. I'm assuming that the short full switch transitions into 46. Do you know how many stanzas you, you have? No. Because I have 51. And by the time that this little break back into uh, Volspo, uh, that turns into 46. So read your, uh, I suppose, 29. Okay. Because my 29 goes... To my boar brings thou, that he bear all in mind, um, a cup so he can keep all these words, and think of them on their third morning, when the twain shall tell of their kin. 
Yes, and that is 46 for me. That's 46 to you. So this little aside in here can be skipped over, perhaps, as it is a fragment, a short okay. version of the Volsipo. So from my 29, you would want... Or, no, uh, no, yes, from my 29, skip down to 46, so we're way off now. <laughs> yes, so I'm on 29, or my 29 is your 46. Uh-huh. Okay, so we'll go to the next one, and I'll let you read that. So that'd be, what, your 47? Yes. Okay. 47. Hence shalt thou fare, for fain would I sleep. From me thou gettest few favors good, my noble one out. In the night thou leapest, as Hephron goes, the goats among. Okay, I do have one note. Um, the thing, thou noble friend, ironic with reference to Freya's speech, approaching her. Hmm. Um, I'll move on to my 31, which is your... 48. Okay. Um... Yeah, I like reading two translations because we can see if they word things different, which obviously we mention a lot, and see if they've got different notes and stuff. But more often than not, the numbers, which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while since we read a lot of these stories, more often than not, the numbers get off somewhere, and it's so hard to keep track. I wish it was more um, standard, but it's not. Well... Yeah. You, you got to realize, like, well, of course you realize this, but uh, for anyone who doesn't, it's a matter of where is your translation coming from? What's the original thing that you're looking at when you translate this or when you put it together? Like, we've seen that uh, different people mix the stanzas. They put them up here or they put them down here or they put them together. It's just a matter of how they think it should be laid out usually. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not cut and dry where you literally are trans, translating the exact same poem. There's a lot of things like, uh, because these were poems that were very famous in their time, so there were a lot of different versions of the same thing. So you have a lot of different source material that you can pull from, and then deciding, well, is that, like like what we just came across, is this little aside going to be put in the poem or is this a fragment so it belongs somewhere else mm -hmm. so i will continue with my 31 wert ever eager with oath to lie under thy apron still others have crept and the knight who runnest thou noble friend in her heat as hythron then he goes among um <sighs> I do have a note, wert ever eager with oath to lie, says her husband, see Valsipa stanza 25, the meaning possibly is that notwithstanding her pretended faithfulness to him, after he had left her, she sought him in many lands, she had accepted other lovers. Um, a similar accusation is made by Loki in the Lokasana stanza 30. Which we've so. read, hadn't we? Yes, I do believe we have. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm ready for my 49 when Freya speaks, which is your... Yes, 32. 30, 32, okay. Yes. So, my 49. Freya spake. 
Around the giantess flame shall I raise, so that forth unburn thou mayest not fare. Okay. Um, and with my 33, Hindla says back, A fire see I burn, flameth the earth. He who loveth his wife will release himself gladly. In thy beaker bear thou the beer to Otar, with venom brewed, may it work thy bane. And I'll let you read what I think is the last stanza, 34 for me. 51 for me, and yes, it appears to be the last stanza. Uh, Freya spake, thine evil words shall work no ill, though giantess bitter thy baleful threats. A drink full fair shall Othor find, if all the gods the favor I get. Okay, so... Do you have well, a note for that one? Because I don't. Nope. Let me read mine, though, because okay. I just... I don't think yours was worded badly, par se, but I just want to read mine. Um, 34 for me is thy thy wicked wish... Uh, excuse me. Thy wicked wish shall work no harm, though etten woman, though evil threatenest. For drink shall he, the goodly drought, may all gods then lend Oter help. See, that's... That's completely different. It's a little bit completely different. A little bit completely different? <laughs> a little bit completely different. Well, see, like mine said, is uh, if all the gods, the favor I get. Which is not what you said. Mm, no, it's not exactly the, the same, but is it saying... May all the because my last line may all the gods then lend Odor help. So is is your saying will all the gods lend Odor help because I have their favor and Odor is Oh okay. Right. All I, right I that makes more sense. Instead yeah. of a demand, it's just a statement. I have the favor of them. Right, I think so. And for that reason, they're going to lend Odor help. Okay, I so, think that's what they're going for. Well, if 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 you were to read it that way, because it is the words, yours is probably clearer. Yeah, and I I guess that is the way that's the way that I would read it. And that's why we have compare and contrast because that way, if something's worded a little strangely, that could be perhaps uh, interpreted a couple of different ways. You can come to a conclusion that might be able to put two together and make sense. Yes. Yeah, that is the reason for all the inconveniences of stands and numbers not matching up. It's nice to have two sources going at once. And, um, Laura, I'm sure you actually, I know for a fact you do the same thing. When I'm reading my stanza, you're reading yours and seeing if they're different. And when you're reading your yes. stanza, I'm reading mine. So we can bring up those differences um, when they're important. So, like, when we usually go ahead and don't say anything in between, it usually means they kind of mesh up well enough. Right. Yep, exactly. It's like, uh, the words were in a different order. Maybe they use some different words, but it's saying the exact same thing. So, I'm not going to... Unless one of us happens to enjoy out. the poetry of it or something. Right, yeah, and I do bring those up a lot where it's like, well, I know his stanza said the exact same thing, but... I'm going to read mine because I really like how Hollander worded it here, or whatever. 
Now, here's the question. Are you and I going to remember this later? Nope. Why is this just going to disappear? Because, like, what did we learn from this? We learned that there's a history to Otar. Yes, which actually is very important. Um, It's definitely something we should know. Something we should say, well, Otar is a fleshed-out god. Um, Otar is somebody with a long history and a complex history. And yeah, we should know that. But there's there's just so many names that we're not super familiar with. I don't know. I just don't see myself as really remembering this, and I definitely don't see myself as remembering all these names, how they all so, connect together. So so what we got is, in this, Freya has a boar that supposedly is the same one made by the dwarves, maybe, but it has a different name, and we already yeah. know that Frey has a boar, and its name is not the name used here. So I don't know if there was some confusion there or not. Yeah, that one's a little confusing. Or was the stanza, we just weren't understanding it, and it was talking about Frey's boar, but then it called her hers for some reason, because they got it wrong. Yeah, that part. So that's not really... Yeah, that one's that one's a little hard to follow. But we, yeah, we got that. And that's Minutia, but the real story is... Hindla brings Otar, Freya, to tell him his history. And who is Hindla? That's the question. Now, from mm. kind of this last statement, is she's a giantess that favors Otar? Maybe? Definitely a giant. She's definitely a giantess. Okay. Um, maybe. <laughs> definitely maybe. No, she's definitely a giantess who favors okay. Otar. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, no, the giantess thing is is definitely right. I do have a couple beginning notes, which... Blah, blah. Oh, jeez, this takes forever. <laughs> um, now, my note is, like, uh, this... Yeah, we put the short Volspoo in there because Snorri did. He started quoting it in here. And oh, he's like, okay. neither poem is of any of great value, either is the mythology as poetry... The author of the short Volspoel seems indeed to have been more or less confused as to his facts as both poets were. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, here, let me read a little bit of this. The goddess Freya riding on her boar awakens the wise giantess Hindla. So, okay, again, this is according to... Um, Hollander. Actually, that's very reminiscent of the Valsapa too, where you have the idea of a god waking a giantess to with some purpose in mind, because like Odin wakes the Cirrus to talk. Wait a minute, so, so instead it's Freya who favors Otar? No, I'm just Freya's saying... Because the one coming to wake her up. The or, goddess Freya riding on her boar awakens the wise giantess Hindla... Mm-hmm. And invites her to mount her wolf to ride to Valhall with her. Okay. Um, there, Odin and Thor are to grant success to Freya's protege Otar. Okay, on the way. 
Okay. On the way, so Freya proposes they are to match their genealogical lore. Okay. Notwithstanding Freya's denial, the giantess knows that the boar is Otar in disguise. What? Oh, goodness. It's even more confusing. Yeah, it says, notwithstanding Freya's denial, the giantess knows that the boar is Otar in disguise and addresses to him the information desired, whereupon Freya demands still further that she gives him the memory ale to drink so that he may keep in his mind until the third day what has been told him. Okay, so she was just making something up that seemed reminiscent Uh. of Gullenbursty? guess i don't know hmm i don't normally read these like beginning things in great depth on this one i think i should have yeah because it's it's an interesting one like there's lore in there i don't know if it's useful lore so much yeah but interesting kind of story between entities yeah definitely um yeah but it seems like the vast majority of it is just going into this like Deep history, I suppose. Um, again, it's kind of hard to follow that deep history. Well, it's it's me. so interesting because, like, um, the the lore battle between Odin pretending to be an old homeless man and the wise uh, giant. Oh whose yeah, name I'm forgetting right this second. That one uh. is compelling. I don't know why this one doesn't seem as compelling. Maybe because it was too confusing with too many layers? I don't know. Well, but the lore, jo- the lore battle between Oten and and that giant got very much into the lore of things. Whereas this one is more about the genealogy of things. Okay. And I feel like I should be more compelled by genealogy but i'm not i mean i (laughs) i try to keep up with with my own genealogy and my own family history that's hard enough (laughs) i want to know those things but uh, right even that is hard like i couldn't tell you my great great grandfather on my mother's side right now i knew that at one point in time may or may not have it written down I don't know if I have it written down. I should probably write this stuff down. But it's like, I, I like the idea of genealogy, and I like the idea of knowing where you come from and all of that stuff. But it's really hard for me to remember it or really deeply delve into it because it, it gets to this point where it's just like a list of names. It's like, Okay, so this guy was the father of this guy, who was the father of this guy, who was the father of this guy. And that's great to know, but it's hard to remember, and it's hard to bring yourself to, like, commit that to memory and even write it all down in the first place. Well, see, I'm going to call back to something that I think we've done on the show previously, where we were saying, like, uh, oh, in the past, people were saying new technology would ruin us. So mm-hmm. uh, one person said writing, teaching people how to how to write down things is going to make their memory worse. Well, here's kind of some proof because we know <laughs> we can go out and get a family tree poster or a big thing or whatever or draw it out ourselves and write down all these names. We don't have to remember it because it's always right there in that book or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. These these would have to be memorized based on the poetry, based on just everyone saying it and telling it over and over and over again. So it is a part of your brain. Whereas now, we get it. We can always go back to it. So it's not something that we try to memorize word by word. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of technology and ancient as well as modern. I'm glad we started writing stuff down. I think it helped us overall. As I think it does help advance because you don't need to hold everything. Not everyone needs to be all wise and everything because you can just go out and learn something new in a book or now on the Internet. Right, exactly. But I also wonder if maybe... Um, um, oh, let me say it this way. In net, yes, the new technology and stuff like that is a positive. But I do wonder if we lose a few things, like the ability to have it be a deep personal connection and a deep personal part of you where you can say like i know that my great 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 grandfather's name was john or whatever and just know that in your mind just know that at all time i wonder if we have lost a little something from not having to retain that information anymore and being able to outsource it to something else. We, we kind of already shown that in this episode when I said, hey, uh, you remember that lore battle they had? We don't remember the giant's name. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, if we were and that's ever, bugging me right now. <laughs> if we were ever put in a lore battle, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. If I was ever put in a lore battle with, with anything that was smart, I would totally lose. Uh, and of course, now I'm thinking about it, I remember it's Vathrufnir, obviously. Obviously, Vathruthnir, it's not like we Googled that and spent 20 and, minutes looking for it and then cut it out of the podcast later. That would be come ridiculous. On. You see how serious we are about the search for knowledge and remembering things? We totally don't spend 20 minutes searching Google. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry. I completely forgot that but it really does absolutely prove my point because both of us know that story very well because we like that story we like what it says about the character i think i even read it at i I even read this one like every other uh, odin bloat we have I, i do a couple other ones too yeah and and i could almost remember it I thought it probably started with the V, but I never would have come up with Vafthruthnir without Googling it, because we can do that. We can outsource huge parts of our memory to something like Google, because when you don't know something, you just Google it. It's kind of like my mom used to write down recipes, and she had like a little recipe cards with all her recipes. I've never written a recipe down. I will Google the same recipe every time I want to make it, because, you know... Why bother remembering it when Google's I don't know. See, see, there's something special about a family cookbook. And I actually have my grandmother's, all of her cookbooks, ones that she's written in and changed things for, and all sorts of interesting things like that. And while I'm not a very good uh, cook, because if I follow the rules, I'm fine, but I generally don't, because either I'm missing something... Uh, or, yeah. or I or I want to experiment, and it always goes horribly wrong. Okay. I, I, uh, I told you the time I made bread, didn't I? No. Yeah, I added something I shouldn't have, and it was awful, but I ate it. Okay, well, I mean, as long as you ate it. You, you do have to be careful with experimenting. I experiment more now than I used to, 
because I feel like I know more now because I have cooked more. But if I'm making something that's completely new, I've never done before, I'm usually going to keep the experimentation to a minimum at least. Um, but I love the idea of a family cookbook. I love the idea of having a bunch of recipe cards or whatever that I could pass down to my kids. But it's so much easier to just Google it every time. And I mean, it's again, true. I love technology. I don't want to get rid of technology. Certainly not what I'm calling for. But times I feel like we can definitely, and I do personally, definitely use it as a crutch, which is not yeah. good. But you it's know. a mental crutch, and and it there is. is a problem. I've thought of this often, simply because I have a lot of time to think about all the things I know and all the things I don't know, and knowing all sorts of different things will change you if you're reliant on outside sources to get your information you will not necessarily come to these conclusions that you might have when you have all this knowledge amassed in your head that you can come up with new and interesting ways to do different situations however being able to access everything in the world does allow you that time to sit down and put those things together but it's different i think it's a little bit slower yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right, because a lot of the thinking and being creative and stuff like that that goes on in our heads is going on not not only when you're consciously thinking of it. It's not only when you're consciously thinking of, well, how do I solve this problem that you're working on the problem? I think a lot of our problem solving is kind of like pushed to the background even when we sleep or when we're doing something else you know it's it's like that um archimedes story where he's trying to find out if this thing is solid gold or not and he's been working on it all day and then he takes a bath and then he has a eureka moment and he figures mm -hmm. out how to do it it's the same thing i think with today problems if that stuff's not actively in your brain and you can't actively work on it outside of a computer or whatever it is going to go slower because our brains are constantly working on things in the background that we don't even realize they're working on until the eureka moment happens you're like okay i got it now i figured out what it is but yeah without all the information in your brain you can't be working on it in the background because it's not there it's not in your brain to work on so there's definitely downsides to not just having this vast expanse of knowledge tucked away in our heads like I feel like used to be necessary. But again, we have such a broader scope of things we can do because we don't have to keep all of that information in our heads at all times. So, Are we trying to make an excuse for not remembering this story? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we are. We really should have remembered that name. <sighs> but but I, I do think it's a legitimate thing that's probably important to think about because I don't think it's necessary to memorize times tables or how to spell every word. In the, oh, spelling's a good example. I don't know how to spell a lot of words. And I totally rely on spell check to catch them i could go back today as an adult and try to memorize how to spell words 
I don't do that because I always have spell check to catch them for me. I don't think it's worth my time. But in a something like this, remembering the name of Afthruthnir, I should have known that, and I, I, I might go back and try to make an effort to remember that name. So our default setting is often, don't bother remembering it, you can always look it up later. And for most parts of your life, like spelling words and your times tables and square roots or something, that's fine, and that works, and that's probably the best way to do it because you can only remember so much. But for other things like lore, maybe it's important that you actually have all of that in your head, but it's not the way you normally interact with your world. Actively remembering all the details of a story is not how we normally interact with your world, with our world. So it's like, this is something where maybe we have to actively make an exception and be like, okay, this is something I do want to be in my brain so that I can, like we talked about earlier, constantly work with it. But it's not my default at all. I purposely outsource most of my memory to external devices. And oh, we're already cyborgs then, huh? Oh man, it's pretty close. I mean, if I could if I yeah, that okay, now now we won't get deep into this cuz I this could actually be a topic. I feel like it makes no sense for this show, but maybe I could twist my logic enough I could make an excuse to do it. <laughs> um at what point do you become cyborgs? Because I always, literally always have my phone on me. And I always look up things on my phone. If it's notes that I've taken, or if it's Googling something or whatever. I really, there's a lot of my day-to-day life I couldn't do without my phone. Because I have outsourced my memory to my phone. How close do we have to be before we're cyborgs? Like, uh, what if well, I had google glass but it was cool and worked like i thought it would and i could bring up that information without even touching my phone is that close enough to be cyborg or does it need to be implanted in my body to be cyborg um it's supposed to be augmentation is usually what it's referred to so if you have a device like glasses you are technically at least in my mind a cyborg Uh. but if you think about it we've been kind of cyborgish for a while, even without thinking of glasses and stuff, books. We outsource yeah. a lot of our information to books. We we can rely on it. We can always go back to that source. You read it, and hopefully you retain it, but you always know that you can go back to it. Yeah. Well, another thing is, like, alarms and reminders and stuff like that. I use those a lot. I don't bother remembering when I have to do a thing because my watch will tell me that I have a thing that I need to do with a reminder. I'll be like, oh, take out the trash or whatever. That's even closer to Cyborg, Cyborg, because it's on my body, and I just feel a buzz, and I look at my watch, and I'm like, oh, I have to take out the trash. Yeah, I I do the watch thing, too. It's nice. It is. It's really nice, Um, but it's really close to Cyborg, too. But before people get confused, I'm fine with being a Cyborg. Um, just curious if you don't want to go the full. <laughs> Do you want to go full Borg though? No, I'm not fine with being Borg. That's well, different. I meant you know full body upgrade. You know, oh, maybe just oh, your brain okay. inside a robot okay. kind of thing. Uh, man, uh, uh, no, that's cool. 
No, actually, that that's a really interesting question, because then you start bringing up all these things. How much are we our bodies and stuff like that? Um, well, you already know, do you know about gut bacteria and that thing that actually affects decision making, too? Yeah, I've read some of those studies. I, I think the relationship, because I, okay, we're going to have to keep this short because this is literally a different podcast. And okay. I mean, this one could be a Hugenhoff podcast, but we've already done an hour, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I do think it's interesting. There's normally this idea that like, it, it, it's like that Men in Black movie, which was a dumb movie, but... It had like a little alien driving a big person body. And I think that's a lot of people's conception of the soul. It's like, oh, I'm a soul and I'm in the driver's seat driving my human flesh body. But it's really a lot more connected to that. And then also true, I think that most people admit that there is a deep connection to the soul and the body. The body affects the soul and the soul affects the body. And we are much more unified and part of the same thing. Not to say there's no afterlife and the soul doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the soul doesn't survive death, but there is a connection there. It is not an alien thing where the soul drives the body around, it's that they truly are one. And when you get into the realms of cyborgs and robot bodies, especially for Ossetrue, you have a lot of really interesting questions that you have to ask yourself am i truly the same person after i get my robot body or not and that's a that's a real good question that that's the uh ship of thesis yes what yes <laughs> ship of theseus see i remember that of why course i, I don't remember know why that? that one well we bring oh. that one up often enough in certain we topics we do uh, actually, I mean, this is a whole podcast that maybe we will have one of these days, um, because I, I would like to get deeper into it, but it's not something we're going to cover in like two minutes, and no, we're, already, no. we're already at or over an hour. So yeah, we will not be getting into that today, but uh, we'll bookmark that one maybe next month. We'll see. We'll see how we're feeling. Anyway, um, I actually think we should probably wrap up. So, any final thoughts on this? Um, well, this is one that I don't remember until reading it now. I thought it was interesting and strange at the same time because I think we were kind of misinterpreting certain things. Because we, we did not go into this knowing too much of what was going on. And we're trying to play our lore against what's going on here and it's getting turned on its head because well there's some untruths being said <laughs> so that got confusing but it's it's interesting to look at and it's you know spawned this whole conversation of uh we our reliance on external sources for information so hey i think it's interesting yeah, I do too. I, I was thinking at the beginning we were probably just going to sort of go through it um, again for completion's sake to to read all the lore and not, not leave any out. But it did actually end up spawning some interesting ideas and conversations and maybe even a new podcast if we go over this cyborg thing <laughs> in the future. Um, it's a story that I think I should probably go back and read. Maybe in the Terry edition, because I feel like that version of the 
um, edits is easier to understand. Not better, but easier to understand. It's more layman's terms. So I might have to do that. This is definitely a story I want to um, read again on my own because I just have so little memory of it. Normally what I do is I open up the Eddas and I look at the story and I'm like, oh, it's that one. Let's read it in depth. I haven't I haven't thought about it for a minute, but I remember the story. So let's read it in depth and see what new we get out of it. But this one, I just drew a complete and utter blank on. So um, yeah, probably something I, I might go back and, and read again myself, but ended up having some interesting ideas come out of it. So yeah, that's good. Okay, we're about to wrap up. Um, Lore, can you remind people where they can find your book? Well, as you can tell, we both enjoy a bit of sci-fi. So if you want a little bit of sci-fi, well, buy a book of mine. I'm Stephen Oaks, and you can find me on Amazon. And my latest book is Walk On. So you can go right there. And apparently, my good friend Byron here has put a link in the show notes. So please give that a click. Okay. Yep. Check it out. Amazon is in the show notes. Uh, yeah. I think that's everything I wanted to say. So if anybody had any questions, concerns, ideas for a show topic, anything like that, do send us an email and you can send that to huganhawpodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address on my website, which is huganhoff.org, H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. I think that's it. So everyone, thank you very much for listening and we will talk to you next month. Fra hell. Fra hell.